What would happen if I took the classic hex crawl game structure, Rob Conley's revised Wilderlands of High Adventure hex maps, the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game rules, Doug Cole's excellent Delvers to Grow quick character creation templates, and the forthcoming Nordland Bestiary, also produced by Doug Cole's Gaming Ballistic? Well, I want to find out. Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Ever since I began Roleplay Rescue, I've been talking about running an open table, paying attention to the use of tried and true game structures, and the joys of exploring a fantastic world. Given that I'd hit another cycle of depression, the primary symptom of which is that things which may usually bring enjoyment become stale, and that I've learned to counteract that with a shift towards doing something creative and which really forces my mind to break out of the current patterns of thinking. Well, I decided to go back to the old project. That's been wearing around my mind for about, well, I don't know, four years now. How can I build a classic open table hex crawl game in a way that is fun for me? In the past, I've been focused a great deal on making this fun for others and tended to discount my own tastes. The general pattern has been games that were fun for a while, but which ultimately failed because I didn't enjoy them enough. I had to think about why. The first mistake has been to focus overmuch on the rules part of the role-playing game equation. I have tended to play it popular and ran, back in 2018, the BX system for my first Mega Dungeon and then, later, a very enjoyable stint with Old School Essentials. While D&D games are very much a comforting and easy choice for me, reminding me of simpler days, I always, without fail, get frustrated with the sheer gaminess of the game. I decided to lay aside the obvious rules and pick up the rule system I enjoy the most right now, the 3D6 based GURP system. Given I was going for the classic hex crawl vibe, I figured that the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game powered by the GURPS engine would do the trick. It's designed to emulate the high adventure blend of D&D and popular computer RPG tropes and so it's a pretty solid starting point. Because I enjoyed the lower-powered, old-schooled vibe, I grabbed out Delvers to Grow from Gaming Ballistic to facilitate quick character creation, but more on that a bit later. Rules decided, I could focus on more important choices. I did begin with the idea of running a Mega Dungeon. I even drew a small map and keyed it one weekend, all ready to go, but the hankering to explore the world around a Mega Dungeon was very strong. My problem is that I know from past experience that once I put energy into the wilderness map, I will have expended a lot of creative energy and a project will very likely peter out. No, this time I need to start with a ready-made hex map. 
My friend Shandy Andy has been a Wilderlands of High Adventure fan for absolutely years. Even though he has put this behind him and doubled down on playing RuneQuest in Glorantha more recently, I was reminded of his favourable recommendation for the revised maps of the Wilderlands, which are created by Rob Conley, Bat in the Attic Games. Given that Tim Shorts has also tended to praise Rob's work, I decided to take a look, and it turns out that, taken as a bundle on drivethroughrpg.com, Rob's revised Wilderlands maps are, frankly, lovely to look at. They're highly inspiring, and they're immediately available, along with the basic notes of the original thrown in with revisions as needed. It looks perfect, ready-made, full-colour maps, notes to get me started, but lots of space for improvisation and interpretation. So that settled it. I would investigate the Wilderlands. So now we have the rules in the world, what was left was the all-important and very often overlooked methodology. For this project, I want to bring together three elements of methodology. Firstly, I want to provide an open table as popularised by the Alexandrian, and I keep banging on about it, right? But next, I wanted to combine that open table with the Alexandrian's advice on hex crawling and mega dungeons so that I could experience the much-loved classic fantasy-style game. I also thought that that might appeal to a lot of players. Finally, I wanted to bring the rules and the maps behind the screen so that I could make the game both as openly accessible as possible, the primary idea being that this is an open table and you don't really need to know anything to play, but also as descriptive and imaginative for the players as possible. I can envision players rolling dice and having a sketch of their character in descriptive terms, but I'm very keen to test out the methods of play I've been pioneering with the Northern Isles campaign to a more traditional game structure. In other words, I don't want players to see the numbers very much. You might say this is an experiment in the free Kriegspiel direction, aka FKR, wherein I want to loosen the chosen rules as much as possible and keep the play sessions focused on the world, the characters and the action, as the FKR crew say, play the world, not the rules. Yes, I know, I've been suspicious of and a little bit resistant to FKR, largely because of the rhetoric around identifying with any single role-playing game community in these very less enlightened days, but there is no point being negative Nelly until you've tried stuff out, right? So this game gives me an excuse to try the freer Kriegspiel approach, although it might be more accurate to describe my own style as semi-free Kriegspiel, but I digress. So there we are. What would happen if I took the classic hex crawl game structure, Rob Conley's revised Wilderlands of High Adventure hex maps, the dungeon fantasy role-playing game rules, Doug Cole's excellent Delvers to Grow quick character creation templates, and the forthcoming Nordland Bestiary, also produced by Doug Cole's Gaming Ballistic? Well, it's time to find out. The Alexandrian suggests a way to provide a game by making the table open open to whoever shows up each week and not worrying about who will be at the table. The focus is on the session as a unit of play, but over time, the game becomes something that grows, session by session, into something greater than the sum of its parts. This idea fits well with Rob Connolly's statement from the Wilderlands of High Adventure Revised Edition. Quote, the creativity of the referee comes by not forcing his players to follow a predetermined story, but to develop new and interesting consequences based on the player's actions. 
The result is a campaign where the players feel they are forging their characters' destinies within a living, breathing world. It will not only be fun and adventurous, but also filled with surprises. Consequences will accumulate and spin the campaign into unexpected directions. End quote. To build an open table, the Alexandrian provides a manifesto of things that you need. Quote, in order to be successful, I believe an open table requires or will greatly benefit from quick character creation, easy access systems, open group formation, default goal, default action, regenerative or extensible content. End quote. It's a simple formula. For an open table, you need a game that can generate characters quickly, in less than 15 minutes really. Pregens can work, but the Alexandrian argues you lose something if a player doesn't make their own character. I believe he's completely correct on that point. You therefore need a game that allows fast character creation and without digital aids. This is where Dungeon Fantasy RPG together with the Delvers to Grow templates fit in perfectly. Setting my power level low at 62 points, you can create a character by making fewer than 7 choices. Strong, fast or smart Delver. Pick a professional class-like template like warrior, thief, cleric, wizard, bard, whatever and an upgrade package to add flavour and then pick two disadvantage themes, these are particularly evocative, and pick a spells package if you have any and then pick an equipment pack. Done. As GM I can throw all that onto a sheet and we are ready to go. If the player can be trusted to make choices quickly, facilitated by using some rather natty index cards which my friend Bob made and then shared with me, then I think you can have a Delver to go in about 15 minutes. As this is an old-school classic fantasy game, background can be evolved as we play. For an open table, you need a game system that is easy to access. Quote, this does not, it should be noted, necessarily mean a simple system. Rather, an easy access system is one which allows players to start playing quickly. D&D 3rd Edition, for example, is not a simple system, but it is an easy access system. Once you explain skill checks, combat actions, attack rolls and damage, a new player has everything they need to know in order to start playing. End quote. This is hard to be precise about, but you do know it when you see it. GURPS is an easy access system from the player point of view. There are only really three rules to worry about. Making a 3d6 roll low success roll, making damage rolls which only use d6 dice, and the fact that the GM will be using reaction rolls. The latter, by the way, is very much in vogue for an old school game, so I'd like to note that too. You need an open group formation. You'll be opening the game up to different players and combinations of players each session. The Alexandrian explains, quote, because different players and or characters will be participating in every session, the open table requires a premise which supports the constant shuffle of personnel. In general, I found this breaks down into either A, expeditions, or B, organisations that can assign task-specific teams. End quote. So this is easy. We'll be setting up a series of expeditions. Some small and briefs, others larger or consisting of multi-part mini-explorations, and the characters will be hired adventurers tasked with doing those missions. If the groups become stable, I can run the explorations as concurrent with the same characters, but 
The open format allows for drop-in, drop-out play. At the end of session, groups not back at base will face some randomly determined consequences inspired by the Alexandrians' dungeon-based random tables for when players don't quite exit the dungeons. These tend to motivate tight play and focused player minds because the random consequences are volatile and largely unpleasant. For an open table, you need a default goal and a default action for the players. It's the answer to those two questions that Justin Alexander posed about game structures, and I spoke about them way back in Season 1, Episode 2, if you want more information. Quote, 1. What do the characters do? 2. How do the players do it? These questions might seem deceptively simple, but the answers are complex, and getting the right answers is absolutely critical to having a successful gaming session. End quote. Dungeon Crawls, Hex Crawls and Mysteries are good game structures for an open table, and I'm going to begin with the Hex Crawls and the Dungeon Crawls. I might even begin to add elements of mystery for players who keep turning up at the table week after week, throwing in clues that will point to hidden treasures and deeper world lore, because that sounds like it would be fun for me too, but hey, this is the essence of the reason for using Wilderlands. It's a hex crawl. The default goal is to find treasure, and the default action is to pick a direction and explore. Finally, the open table needs regenerative and or extensible content. In other words, you need to be able to reuse the material you have every session or extend it with ease. Low prep solutions. Mega Dungeons and Hex Crawls excel at this, so say hello to the Wilderlands. I'm going to mine old dungeon modules for maps and ideas too, and I can reuse every location on the maps, which means hundreds of cool places to explore over and over, and the whole thing is forever extensible. But what's the core point? If you have a group of players who want to play but find the schedule difficult, stop trying to run something they can't commit to run an open table. Most of my friends fit this description, and on top of that, I fit this description. I'm a scanner. It appears, because formal diagnosis is pending, that I am also ADHD, and I have been struggling with anxiety for at least a year, so it might be a good fit for me to run an open table. It doesn't have to be any less immersive, however. Pulling the rules behind the screen so that I don't expect players to have to know the rules is completely compatible with the goals of encouraging character immersion and other world immersion over time. It's just that you're allowing the players to choose whether they want to take advantage of that. It's an optional approach, not a hard expectation. Oh, and one last thing. Why use Doug Cole's forthcoming Nordland Beastery? Well, two reasons. Firstly, it's wonderfully themed around Viking-inspired ideas, as is his whole Nordland setting for Dungeon Fantasy RPG. And it turns out that the way Rob Conley views the Wilderlands includes a lot of Viking-inspired stuff too. But more than that, Doug has taken the SRD monsters from the 5th edition of the original RPG and ported lots of the creatures over to Dungeon Fantasy RPG. In short, Doug is doing all the hard work of giving me monsters, so of course I'm going to use his book. And that basically brings the whole thing together. What would happen if I took the classic hex crawl game structure, Rob Conley's revised Wilderlands of High Adventures hex maps, the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game rules, Doug Cole's excellent delvers to grow quick character creation templates, and the forthcoming Nordland bestiary, also produced by Doug Cole's Gaming Ballistic? Well, why don't you come to the table 
and find out. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next time. I love it when listeners call in, and this week has been no less generous from our listeners. There are some cracking comments and questions here, so I'm really excited to share with you. But if you have a comment or question about today's episode, or any episode from the previous nine seasons, please visit anchor.fm slash rpgrescue and press the message button to leave your one-minute message. Alternatively, feel free to open your phone's voice recorder app, record your clip, and, well, email it to me here. The email address is hello at rpgrescue.com. I look forward to hearing your questions. All right, Che, a fascinating departure from the norm for Roleplay Rescue. Panel discussion, some uh, familiar voices, really enjoyed it, and I appreciate this experimental foray that you're on. Great stuff. Take care, mate, and I'll catch you later. So, Colin, thank you for calling in. Great to hear from you. Colin Spike Pit Green there uh, from the Spike Pit podcast, of course, an absolute legend in role-playing circles. And I'm really glad that you enjoyed episode seven, uh, where we had the guys talking about the Northern Isles and their experience of me bringing all the rules behind the screen. Um, yeah, it's been fun, hasn't it? And this ongoing experimentation is really kind of what I think this podcast is all about. Certainly what I want my hobby to be all about. So just thanks for the vote of confidence, Colin. I'll speak to you soon, mate. Aloha, Che. Brian calling in. Really enjoyed episode 8 of this season 10, playing by the seat of your pants. I like and appreciate when your discussions of playing kind of delve into a little bit on the psychology and a little bit of reflection on just, I think more broadly, how, how you know, games or activities fit into our lives. Um, I, I like the emphasis on the meaning. And, and, and what I'm talking about is just the fact that I think a lot of the, the podcast episodes you talk about is you can view, you know, you can view your hobby, your games, really whatever you do is as, as a couple of different ways. One is just something you do to pass the time. And, and as you have said before, others may view a little, little bit with, with contempt or that it may be a little bit childish, but I think more productively viewing it in the way that you're talking about it as, you know, a way to, to get joy, a way to relieve stress, a way to maintain your mental health, an avenue for creativity, for community. And I mean, there, there are tons of benefits. And I, I think there, there are plenty of other hobbies that do the same. And in general, I know coming from, uh, you know, a background where people had hobbies or, or leisure, but it was not, it was viewed as, yeah, it's not very important. Or, you know, you, you, it was more important if you spent the day working long hours, you know, even into the night, even if you do, you know, more intellectual academic pursuits, much more important to do that rather than to say, hey, I really need a break. And, and I'm doing something that is not just, you know, turning on the Netflix, but it's something that is productive, that's creative, it's, it's, it's creating. And so I like the discussions that you have that, that, that kind of border, border on these areas and then also dive into these areas. And the thing this really made me think about, and, and it also follows when you're talking about open tables, is I'm, I'm starting to think about playing role-playing games in a, in a couple of different ways, and I think you've touched on it. And one I'd say is, is when you're talking about the infinite game, and, and I'd say 
many people might view campaign, and I certainly, when I thought about you know having a campaign, would view it that way, that you're almost playing for the sake of playing. You may have milestones that form endpoints, but the idea is to keep it going, you know, a campaign. And a lot of, and I'll speak specific to 5e, a lot of the more recent, you know, Watsi 5e publications, but also third party, give you, try to deliver in one package something that could sustain you for, you know, a year, two years, three years, could, could essentially be infinite. But it's, it's designed to go from starting out to whatever end level, which is absolutely fine. Um, because I think, you know, that could still fit in what you're talking about. And when I think of it is that even when you get done with one of these massive books, and then specific to how my son is kind of viewing the adventures that his characters are going through our little party, and maybe at some point it'll end, you know, they, they, re, they retire per se, but it doesn't end when we finish one of these larger campaign arcs. Um, so I, I do think that's a, that's a valid mode of play. And I guess some of the other modes that I've been thinking about, and you've been touching on it in ways particular to RPGs, I think in addition to the infinite game, the idea of the open table that, you know, whether it is literally an open table where you have different people each week in and out, starting, rolling up characters, using pregens, doing different scenarios, one-shots, all of that, open from the sense of the players could be very experienced, could have no experience at all, and the emphasis is is still on, on playing to play, to have enjoyment, to have fun. It may be a little bit less structured, or it still could be very, very thoroughly prepared by the GM, but it's designed such that there may be some continuity, but there doesn't need to be. And to me, and this is not a slight, it, it's more of a, it's in a way more of a social game because it allows for perhaps, you know, new, new players, different players to interact. And again, I think, and, and this is something that we're, we've been looking at here because we've been uh, going on and off to a small group at a coffee shop where the owner, uh, who's very passionate about gaming, she runs games and she was doing this informally and mainly with an emphasis on getting kids involved. So now it's evolved to a few open tables because she just starts with something very basic and has enlisted some other you know, DMs to help. And there's flexibility because to be honest, kids are essentially showing up, you know, sometimes with parents playing or sometimes <laughs> with parents sitting on the side just to play. And, you know, all of these things coexist. I, I guess the last one, but I'm droning on. Um, and I... I've only approached playing games a, f- a few times like this or thinking about this, but, you know, you can play it more of a tournament. And I don't want to say adversarial, but, you know, the idea of it's going to be really tough, you know, a little bit maybe old school, we may not survive, or, or a little bit of a competition aspect. So I wouldn't say necessarily designed so that the DM is set up to, you know, <laughs> to achieve the total party kill. And I know that DCC in particular gets labeled that way because it's hard. And just, it, 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 that ends up being a very realistic outcome just because of how the rules are. But I think that kind of environment in some games can be appealing for, for the challenge factor or the, you know, let's see what happens, you know, just, just that mode. And again, I, I think... I think all of these can, I guess, coexist in, in, you know, your gaming or your hobby. They're different, you know, and and should be approached in different ways. And my my view is, I mean, at any one point, especially at this stage of my life, you know, I I could hop in any and and be fine. Um, 
I get what you're saying is trying to figure out, you know, for, for kind of at least that one game or that one group you're with, you do need to find kind of your sweet spot, whether it's, you know, more of an open table or at least with your group more of, hey, we want to change systems every year just because that's how we are. Or you want to play, you know, the infinite game. Um, it's, it's kind of important. It's a bit personal uh, for everybody. And it's great that you're able to find that. Um, I think uh, half of the half of the challenge is, you know, fi finding the people, finding the time, you know, working out the logistics. But the other half, the more important half, is like you've said, it's it's once you've gotten that that commitment, and and the same for everybody, you want to make sure that you're that you're maximizing it, that you're all kind of agreeing to do the same thing. So yeah. Anyway, a little bit longer than than I thought. Uh, you could probably hear I've got the uh, the window AC in the study cranked today because it has been hot and humid down here in the brutal uh, Queensland summer. <laughs> Didn't quite hit 40 yesterday. I think it was close to it, upper 30s, but man, did it feel like it. Anyway, cheers. Hey, Jay, Jason here. Just listened to episode 10.9. And yeah, I mean, we're all, you know, in the image of of God and everybody is inherently valuable and that's one of the sad things where people get into echo chambers and they don't want to hear you know not just gaming wise but politically and everything else and uh, this whole thing if you're not with me and you don't agree with me you're my enemy or, or you're against me and you know everything's so divisive right now where we should be able to just say you know we, we have different views on that but we can still be friends and you know connect on other things so yeah, it's a shame. I, I unfortunately I think it's you know part of our fallen human existence, but we can strive to try to do better ourselves, definitely. So I hope you're doing okay. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. And brother, I am. I'm listening to season ten, episode nine, and you are inspiring, dude. At the same time. I would like for you to go back, oh man, maybe go to season one or two and, and listen to your attitude then versus your attitude now. It's an amazing change. I wonder if, you know, I, I don't know, it just feels like there's a lot that has changed in the past couple of weeks for you uh, mentally. And perhaps it's just this, the ability to let go of who you were born as and accept those qualities. Just the fact that you said that the troll was doing the best that they could do at that time and then saying that, um, you know, they were just letting us know that that the community was not for them or that the the blog post was just not for them. I think that's awesome. Uh, you know, you said it, and you could have said it in a very sort of flippant way that would have implied sarcasm or insulting, but um, but you didn't. You said it in a very polite way, and uh, I think you know it was an honest 
honest way of saying that. And I, I, I applaud you. I, I need to take more lessons from your behavior. Thank you. And thank you for your very generous calls. Uh, thanks there to Frank, the last one, to Jason, and to Brian. Um, I didn't think there's a lot I can comment on, but just to say thank you for your generosity and your comments and your thoughts. They really do enrich this show. And that's it for this week. Big thank you once again for showing up and listening. Thanks also to our callers today. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to call into the show via anchor.fm slash rpgrescue where you can click on the message button. I do especially enjoy hearing your questions. Finally, I'd like to say a big thank you to John from Tale of the Manticore for the theme music. I think it makes a big difference. Thank you, John. And that's it for this episode. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next time. Game on.